Since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Hello, this is Sharon Rose of Sharon Rose Cosplay, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of today's episode and introducing our special guest co-host... We want to tell y'all at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social medias. Go ahead. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Go and like us on there. Like us. Like, make us feel good. Like Dr. Feelgood. Motley Crue. Yes. Yes. Dr. Feelgood. He's going to be your Frankenstein. Oh, okay. I was like, feed my Frankenstein. No, that's, that's Alice, Alice Cooper. That's another Frankenstein. Yeah. That's good, though. Thank you. I'm always thinking Halloween. Go ahead. Also go on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. Pod, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-E-R. You can also find us on the Twitter machine at... The Marvelous. There we go. There we go. Okay. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Peter Melnick. You can find us collectively on Instagram at The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there and look at all the pretty little pictures on there and the hashtags and the dot dot dots to be able to get you out there in the social media thingy because there's it's a it's a weird little thing that you can do to get more views for stuff. But some of us are more out there than others, but Exactly. Uh-huh. But you can also find myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick, yourself at Eddie9193. You can also drop us a line in our email bag, questions, comments, strongly worded letters, haikus, pictures of Spider-Man, essays about Spider-Man, pins about Spider-Man, 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 Spider-Man. Spider logos, chest logos about, yeah, progression. Progresso. Evolution. Soup. Delicious progresso soup. Mm. But Especially on a cold day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And when you have a cold, you're just like all tuckered out, little fella. You had a big day on the slide. And stuffed in the head. <laughs> but also, once again, let us know how we're doing. Send us an email. Say, we like the show. We hate the show. But don't send those emails because those, those will just make me feel like crap. But because I'm a delicate little boy. Need another progresso soup over here. <laughs> Some Italian wedding if they have that. That's, that's a good, really good stuff. One. But anyway, also... You can find us on all sorts of iOS and Android devices with the SoundCloud app, the Spotify app, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, etc., etc. Even the main podcast app on the iPhone, you can listen to us on there. But, really importantly, Eddie, when you go to now WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout... Marvelists! You're able to get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and you're able to listen to the brand new, brand spanking new, because I'm killing time by adding extra words into this, Eddie. Mm, yes, you are. But Like the, Thor did in uh, Age of Ultron. <laughs> thank you for helping me at the time. Uh-huh. Wolverine, The Lost Trail, the sequel season, season two, season dos, season two, two. in German. <laughs> you get to be able to listen to that follow-up show. It's Marvel's second foray into the serialized podcasting format because now we're going to mix this bad boy up with milk but wolverine the lost trail and 
People are loving it. It's actually written by people involved in the comic book industry. Well, that's a plus. A plus, 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 plus. A lot of pluses. Okay. All, all the single pluses. All the single pluses. But put a ring on it. Oh, Jeez. oh, 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 oh. Beyonce. <laughs> I, even I didn't think I'd go there. Come on, let's get going with this guest. She's holding patiently. Well, well, Eddie, it's written by Benjamin Percy, comic book author. It oh. is directed by Brendan Baker, who is in charge of Love and Radio. And it stars Richard Armitage of The Hobbit, Hannibal, Berlin Station. He's the guy who plays Wolverine in this. Mm-hmm. Bill Irwin as Jason Wingard, who you might remember from Legion and Interstellar. Bill Heck. He's doing a heckin'. He's from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and he plays Gambit. And then you have Blair Brown from Orange is the New Black as Bonnie Roach. But, Eddie, mm. like I said, when you go to WolverinePodcast.com, you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. And when you do, you can listen to that show. You can listen to the Earwolf archives. You can listen to the Smodcast archives. You can listen to everything. But importantly, most importantly, Mm -hmm. Wolverine, The The Long long Trail. Well, Long Night (laughs) 2, it is on there. Yes, I know. You pointed at me. I was going to help. Jeez. Hey, this is is our first time doing this new version of the ad And it's very cool. So, way cool. Junior. Thank you. Rat. I knew Thank you were going to do that. Yes. It's about. It's been a long time doing that. It's been a while. It, it stained, okay? Break Since the cycle. Was... Anyway. Many musical references here, if you didn't know already. Fine. Exactly. But I want to know, you know what, and I'm sorry for, for really extending this intro, <laughs> but a question as after all these many, many podcasts and weeks come up to mind. A free Could wo- Ant-Man defeat Thanos? Oh, that... Well, there's a certain way that yes. we will get into, unfortunately. Yes. yes. And <laughs> the question is, when you get a free one month... That would entail about four, possibly five episodes, because it's something that comes out it's weekly. everything that's already on there. Ah, it's like the equivalent of Netflix. When you end up going and signing up, Eddie, since now they've planned it just for you. Oh, since cool. all of the Marvel shows have ended on Netflix, you mm. get all of the Marvel Netflix shows. Oh, good. All in one happy place. I like that. Exactly. I'm finally making a small dent in that Netflix mountain. <laughs> so one more time, WolverinePodcast.com, and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. Hey. Marvelous, eh? Uh, I I was trying to be Arthur Fonzarelli. Again, I gave you two thumbs up. Eddie, I'm giving you the ability to intro the lady. (laughs) Oh, hey. Oh, it's time now. Fine. Okay. All right. You may have seen her in the con circuit or published, in a manner of speaking, photographically. I have that issue waiting for an autograph when I see her next. Well, of course. How else would you take a photo of someone? Correct. And if we had FaceTime with her, I wonder if she would be in cosplay. But I'd like to introduce Sharon Rose. Thank you so much, Sharon. Appreciate it. Hello, thank you so much for having me, you guys. It's wonderful to be able to talk to you like this, and outside, of course, being in person, but we are a bit of a distance apart. We want to <laughs> thank you so much because it is the end of Marvelous March and featuring women in comics. And I said, I know somebody who most likely would in her very busy schedule, and we'll get to what's happening recently with you, Bob, again, most, uh, most recently. But I'd like to start by asking how it all started for you with getting into the the cosplay thing oh my goodness it it all started when a radioactive spider bit me no (laughs) hey that's a good start especially on this podcast it's a good origin story right um no it started around 2012 Uh, i've always been an artist i was the kid who uh, would doodle in the margins of her notebook instead of paying attention in class whoops so I was always an artist at heart, and I've always gravitated toward art and, and comics, you know, being this awesome sequential art. 
And um, I started going to Comic-Con. And at the time when I started going to conventions, I was not cosplaying. I wasn't in costume. But there were so many people there who were. And I was just really in awe of, you know, the ingenuity that went into people making these incredible uh, characters and bringing things to life that, you know, I would only ever read about. And my inner artist just freaked out in a good way. Um, I started cosplaying at a time in my life where I was feeling kind of not like myself. Um, I had been hit with a health diagnosis. I have polycystic ovary syndrome, which is a mouthful to say, I know. So from here on out, it's shortened to PCOS. And it's a disorder that affects a lot of things about my physical appearance and how I, um, I carry weight differently now. Um, it affects my um, energy levels. It affects my ability to process sugar properly. It just, it really wreaked havoc on my body. And it still does. I mean, it's something that I will have for the rest of my life. So here I was. I didn't seem to recognize myself in my own body. I wasn't feeling very confident about myself. And one thing that really brought me joy was going to conventions and seeing all these other people you know, dress up and make art. So I thought maybe I could do this. You know, I'm an artist. I've only ever worked with 2D. I would draw and paint. But I felt like maybe I could be crazy enough to learn how to make a costume. So I dove right in. I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I was covered in hot glue and, you know, paint. And um, I did about a third of it wrong in terms of technique. So my first costumes have literally fallen apart. They don't exist anymore because they basically have disintegrated. But my first um, serious costume was my first version of Captain America. I love Captain America. I love everything that Cap stands for. I love that Cap was a hero before he even was super strong. You know, he has this like heart and mindset of a hero where he wants to protect people around him. He wants to stand up for the little guy because he knows what it's like to not have that strength. He knows what it's like to not have someone speak for him or stand up for him. So I love that about him. And I thought, what if Cap had been a woman uh, during, during the war instead of a man? Um, what would that look like? So I, I did a lot of research. I looked into pinup style. I looked at... The comics, of course, I love. I love the classic art uh, of his original shield shape, and you know he's got that amazing uh, scale work on his classic costume. I really wanted to honor that, so it is an original design that I made. But I really tried hard to honor like the origin story of Cap, but done in a really feminine way. And the, when I stepped out onto the convention floor, I didn't feel like this girl who wasn't confident in her body. You know, I felt like a superhero, even though I'm not really a superhero. Um, I felt like one for the day. And for me, that's the power of cosplay. And from that point forward, I have been hooked ever since. And now I'm constantly covered in hot glue and foam and <laughs> making all kinds of crazy things. So, so that's so, the start of my journey. <laughs> wow. So from the beginning, covered in hot glue, you're still having that, that, um, Obstacle. No, I don't know what it would call it. But <laughs> it's funny, though, because you're saying Captain America as your first real 
cosplay, costume, and just fittingly enough, I think within the last year or two, that we met, and that was the character you were, and I was blown away by that. Yeah, that's version, I want to say, like, 2.5 at this point. Mm. Um, so that the version that you've seen is uh, an upgraded one. It was a reimagining, but the roots are there. The, the original um, one didn't have quite as many intricate details as the one that you saw, but it's unusual for me to remake a character, Um I have so many that I want to do, so, you know, for me to revisit one that I've already done is unusual for me, but Cap kind of has a soft spot in my heart for that for that very reason. Well, before we kind of delve into trying to figure out how many numbers of characters, I'm guessing, it's probably a, a natural, uh, an easy guess, that your interest in doing the costume thing and the cosplay thing must have had a base or a foundation in an interest in some kind of comic book characters. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I do... Um, I do a lot of, of comic characters, and it's because I, I definitely love comics um, all over the place. I, I, I know this is the Marvelous, but I, I, I read things that aren't Marvel. Don't tell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <gasps> I know, right? You're going to tell the, me to get off your podcast. <laughs> no, the Distinguished Competition's never crossed these uh, podcasts before, right? Yeah, sure. What could we call Image, by the way, and Dark Horse? If we have DC as the Distinguished Competition, Image and Dark Horse, you got to have something for them. To call them something? Right, and Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they need they, they need an adorable sly nickname for them. Um maybe, but <laughs> imaginary and we'll have to work on that. Uh, Swing and a Miss Melnick. Swing and a Miss Melnick, there you go, right. So who were your early comic book uh, favorites, would you say? Oh my goodness. Um well obviously I meant I mentioned Cap. I I don't know. I have so many. I I'll tell you my favorite comic is Why the Last Man um, by Brian K. Vaughn. So for me, that was kind of my sort of foray into looking at comics as a more serious mode of storytelling. Um, I just, I, I loved that, you know, I think when I was growing up, no one ever told me that comics can be so much more than just this surface image of capes and tights. Capes and tights are awesome. I obviously read them and I love them. But like these characters, while entertaining, they're always nodding to something that's so much more serious. You know, through comics, we, we can have these discussions about what's happening in our culture and how we treat one another and politics. And it's, it's kind of amazing. So I know I just diverged from your original question. Yeah, no, that's... I love the Avengers just in general, to be honest. So, you know, I love Black Widow. Um, I I love Hawkeye. I love um, Thor is amazing. And I love the Jane Foster Thor run that they, they did. That was really powerful. And, yeah, I don't know. I really seem to be drawn to um, Marvel characters because I think so many of them showcase a really like flawed in a way side, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you see, you see Tony Stark deals with, I mean, he's, he's genius, right? He's a genius. He's brilliant. He has all of the money in the world. You know, he, ha he technically has everything at his fingertips and yet he struggles with like narcissism. He struggles with feeling like no one um, can understand him. He struggles with responsibility. Should he care? If he does care, does he care too much? Like do his actions hurt people? Um, how does he deal with the repercussions of the extent of the reach of his money and power, really, if you think about it? So like, that's just one example of so many characters that 
Uh, do they have super powers or super resources? Yes, but they also have to deal with like the repercussions of of that weight of and, that responsibility. And don't and I forget, just, I oh, really, yeah. Go ahead. You go. You go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I just really love how Marvel specifically seems to have really honored that, and then shown how you can take all these different characters that while amazing in each of their own rights, they do have these flaws, but when you can get them to work together as a team, which I think for a lot of them is like counter to their nature, you know what I mean? So to get them to work together as a team and to put that into writing, it's just, it's like a field day, I'm sure, for the writers to be able to to see how these characters, these crazy diverse characters interact with one another. I love how Marvel tackles that in all their different story arcs, for sure. And don't forget, like, the biggest thing, you know, with Tony Stark's storyline in the comics is, you know, his alcoholism. And you end up seeing mm-hmm. throughout, you know, his run. I'm actually reading right now the uh, Brian uh, Michael Bendis run of New Avengers. And I'm going into the Civil War storyline from, uh, what's his name, uh, Mark Millar. And mm-hmm. in there, there's one moment where Tony starts talking about, he goes, we alcoholics call it the moment of clarity. And you have that flawed element of his character. And you have that sense of... At the end of the day, yes, they're super-powered, you know, beings. They're super-gods, but they have their flaws. And the flaws humanize them and make them relatable and everything like that. So, yeah, it gets you hooked and brings you in. As much as I love the distinguished competition, and little side note, Shazam, oh my God, was that amazing. Holy moly, even. Yes! Oh, you you beat me to the good joke. You guys, you know, you gotta get it right. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) um, But... The thing I have about, yet to see it. I'm so excited. It, I, I'm so excited. <laughs> as a uh, Marvel fan, it is the most Marvel DC movie I've ever seen, and yes, it's well, fun. They follow. Well, I love. I love Zachary Levi. Like I, I grew. You know, like Chuck, Chuck was my jam. So yeah. <laughs> I well, love, it's D- like going to be watching Chuck on the big screen again. <laughs> DC follows some of the Marvel formula in the movie, and it works. And so what? You know, let him do that. That is, yeah. That's fine. And it's fine for the character because that's what the character of Shazam or the OG Captain Marvel is. And I did. Now, this is not to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it, including yourself, Sharon. But three cases I pointed out where DC kind of poked fun of themselves. Yeah. And it was fine. Oh, yeah. good. Well, you need to be able to do that, yeah. you know? I mean, how... How long have these, you know, pillars in the industry existed? It's like you have to you have to acknowledge that. <laughs> but the reason I brought up DC in this is the fact of characters like Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, the you know, John Q public can't really relate to them. But when you have like a character, you know, you know like Spidey, they're flawed. You can relate to them. You can relate to the Hulk. You can relate to Iron I Man. I totally I totally agree. You know, my friends and I um, we used to meet on Wednesday nights after we would pick up our boxes at the shop. Um, and, t- you know, we'd like furiously read through stuff in the car <laughs> before we'd go to like Applebee's or something and, and, you know, eat and then talk about what's going on, what we're reading and stuff. And um, the one thing that we would often talk about is how DC characters are very godlike. And I mean that in a very mythological and power structure sense, right? So they have this kind of godlike. Um, morality, you know, godlike, like they're they're almost too unattainable. They're almost not relatable, right? Mm-hmm. In in a way, like my favorite DC character happens to be Batman, but again, I think that's probably because Batman is the most human, right? Sure. The most 
broken and relatable. Like he, you know. So I agree with you. I think Marvel Marvel has created characters that aren't quite at that mythological echelon, and and um, DC DC's characters are godlike. So I I can't help but wonder. You know, all the uh, you know everyone has um, a thought and opinion about every comic movie that is coming out ever. <laughs> Because that's how our culture rolls. It's interesting to me. I think when we see things on the big screen, the people who are watching it have all of this like love and connection to what they were reading, right? So, and we also have a whole generation of people who, like, maybe they didn't read comics. So their only, you know, knowledge base of these characters is on the big screen, and that's awesome too. Like, I think it's awesome because we're seeing that as an entryway point. Like, I don't care that people didn't read the comics. It was, it's cool to think there are people who are going into comic book shops today because they watch the movie, right? Not the other way around. Like, I think that's pretty cool. I got but, back into um, the comics because of the movies, kind of. That's so awesome. What a time to be alive, right? That, like, we can actually go see, like, stuff in the movies and on TV. But, yeah, back to what you were saying, I, I really think that, like, the DC characters are very god godlike in, in a mythological sense. I see a lot of connections to that. So it's cool to hear that Shazam was a little bit more lighthearted. It seems to be. I haven't seen it, like I said, but it seems to be a little more Marvel in tone. Well, <laughs> like I mean, I mean, come on, he is Captain Marvel, just OG. But uh, <laughs> true. True. again, Peter, holy <laughs> moly! But true. the thing, there's a moment. I again, I can't spoil it. But I'll just say this. Towards the end, I had a Cheshire Cat, like, grin on my face uh, when there was a reveal. That's all I can say. Okay. And when that okay. happened, like, I was just smiling smiling like an idiot. And I was, like, just very happy as a fan of the original stuff. I'm like, they're actually doing this. They're actually doing this. Yeah, oh, let's, I'm so excited. Yeah, let's leave it there. Sharon, let's okay. go back on the costume range that you've done. Is it fair to say that the bulk of your characters have been Marvel ones? A, a lot, oh, yeah. I would say I would say 90% of any comic book character I've done has been Marvel. Ballpark. Absolutely. Ballpark. How many how many costumes, cosplays have you done? Fenway. I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I don't know. Um, 40? Ish, okay. 30, 40. I don't, I don't know. You're asking me to do math on your podcast, and I was just not prepared for that. Check your storage closet, and uh, you know. I know it's true. It's true. Um, just I, to know, get... and that's a combination of more intense builds, and then what I would consider just more uh, quickly put together builds. Um, ones that uh, are intense, that are my foam built creations that have a lot of props and armor and things like that. Uh, this can take like three months or so. So I can usually, you know, I used to try to do, I don't know, gosh, like 15-ish a year, but I've scaled back a bit because I don't like to rush anymore. I just really want to do those characters that seemed out of my reach in terms of skill. And now I feel like I can, I can build that crazy thing now. I'm not afraid to. So you might see fewer things from me. Um, but each thing will be way more epic in scale, hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, that's part of a part of a question as far as your thought process, and I'm sure that I'm guessing that some others have the same thoughts as to what you decide you want to become, uh, what character you want to become. Something that you like that character, or you feel you can represent that character, 
maybe in your own way, a little slant, right. whatever that might, whatever that nuance might be. Um, or do you consider, well, I don't know how many people are going to know who I am. Uh, or do you want to decide to go off on something that is a very obscure character uh, at all? I I think about literally everything you just said. Okay, yeah, um, all the above. So, right, so as, a, as an artist, I, I actually kind of think that my first gut pull, you know, toward a given character or thinking about doing a character is actually more so the art challenge of it and less so... Is this a character I a million percent love and know and I'm obsessed with? I know that a lot of cosplayers, it's the opposite. Like, they'll only, you know, they have to have a really, really strong connection to a character first. Um, I would say Captain America was one that it, it hit both those check marks. You know, like, both those boxes were immediately ticked. Like, I love Cap, and I love the challenge of, of making foam look like leather and making that shield. But there are other characters. I did Sikla, uh, who is Deadpool's well, was Deadpool's wife. It's complicated. Deadpool's had a lot of ladies come in and out through his <laughs> love of circle. Specifically, B. I, Arthur? Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, she's, you know, number one, maybe even more so than Death. But B is bad. I don't want to, like, I don't want Death, I don't want to be on Death's radar, so I'll just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so for Sheikla, for example, I actually, I really loved her design. I loved how she was drawn, and I loved that she had this pet that was a dragon and I was like I want to make a dragon and that's cool so I made Sheikla at the time this was kind of before the huge Deadpool this is before the Deadpool movie was going to be a thing um certainly there were Deadpool cosplayers and you know people who cosplayed from that you know universe but there weren't a whole lot of Sheikla cosplayers so I kind of went into it knowing like I don't really know if anyone's even going to know who I am, but I love the design so much that I was willing to put all that time and energy in anyway, because for me, that was like a creative thing. It was a piece of art that I wanted to make. Now, I definitely think about if I'm going to put all this money and time into something, it has to be something that I love. But it also kind of, I do think about like, will other people appreciate this for what it is? I I don't, I don't know that people should make their decision that way. I think everyone needs to go by their own guidelines, but that's yeah. something that I do think about. Yeah, and it goes without saying, baseline is, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you don't do it. What's the sense? Oh, exactly. And that, you know, I feel like that shows, too. You know, I pour my heart into everything I make. Like, everything that I make and wear, for me, it's, it's art. It's wearable art. Even my makeup. You know, I wouldn't be sitting there doing, like, three hours of... Um, silvery, glittery ice and diamonds makeup for Emma Frost. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I didn't, if I didn't love, you know, if I didn't love um, the dedication and the output and how I knew it was going to turn out to be. So, like, it's things like that that make you think, gosh, all of these cosplayers, they're art. They're literally walking around. They're three-dimensional, living, breathing canvases. And I'm just inspired by so many people um, that I've met through this community and it's awesome because you get to meet other people who love comics and they love the same character as you do. It's cool, right? You get If you see someone dressed up as a character that's obscure or a character that you absolutely love, you're like, ah, oh, I bet this person has something in common with me. That's cool. I can strike up a conversation with them. Exactly, you know, yeah. When you're in the cosplay community, you actually run into a lot of other cosplayers. Like myself, 
I'm a big fan of uh, Ko Fitness uh, cosplay. That guy, he does uh, Peter B. Parker. I'm like, I'm, I'm a stand for the guy. You know, I just see like his work. Are there any cosplayers that you know you see them and you're like, I'm a big fan of theirs. Oh yeah. Uh, Name I have names. So many. Yeah. I have so many. <laughs> I love cosplay. I I love uh, Katie Co is a dear friend of mine. Um, and she kind Hashtag of like, Katie. We like Katie. I love Katie. She's my foam Smith partner in crime. Um, in terms of cosplayers who inspire me, like who. I've maybe gotten to know because I was inspired by them and looked up to them. And, and now I've become a friend of them as Silhouette Cosplay. Um, Silhouette does the most insane Marvel costumes I've ever seen. Um, does like a dead-on Tom Hiddleston, uh, MCU Loki, screen accurate, and wow, just so inspired. Um, Calbutt Crunchies, I don't know if you're familiar with Calbutt Crunchies. Um is a duo and they, they are amazing. They make the most crazy pieces of art I've ever seen. I have so many cosplayers. So like, it's so hard to think on the spot who. <laughs> that's good. That's, I that's good. With like 40 people. <laughs> yeah. And this will be another tough question. So I want you to muddle it over a little bit while I ask another one, but I want to ask, what would you feel for you was a very good, maybe your best or your worst character you've done, but tied in with that, um, maybe you can ro roll off some of the cons that you've appeared in and where you're pretty much based out of. Uh, and also, oh. uh, I was going to say that one of them that I, that we saw you at, at last uh, Terrificon, was, mm -hmm. and it looked pretty comfortable, Jubilee. Oh, I love my Jubilee, and I love Jubilee. Um, first of all, I love the X-Men. I think my goal in life is just to cosplay through all of the mutants. <laughs> my wow. friends laugh at me. They're like, what? I was like, no, seriously, though, I want to cosplay every single one. I have to tell you, Sharon, you're not the only one. Um, and on a separate interview that I did with Sapphire Nova of Superheroes Unlimited, that's what she wants to do. Oh, that's awesome. Well, well, I might have to connect with her because, yeah. yes, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to, to think about. Just please it's don't amazing. do Glob Herman. Glob Herman is a frightening <laughs> one. No one should <laughs> do Glob Herman. Yeah, Jubilee is one of my more comfortable ones, and I can, like, run around, and, you know, it's fun. I really like Jubilee. Cool. Um, I think in terms of my the ones that I am the most proud of or that were the most challenging, I have a couple for different reasons. Um, I just recently did uh, Marvel Becoming. I was asked to basically create the screen-accurate suit that um, Brie Larson wore in, in Captain Marvel. It, it's probably, not probably, it is. It's the most challenging thing I've ever done because if you're familiar with my work, or even if you're not, I'll just share, most of the costuming that I do is uh, original design. And by that, I mean, I'm inspired by the comic arts. I'm inspired by um, things on film, but I really love to kind of make my own design from, from it. I'm not trying to perfectly duplicate something that has been created before. So for this, I not only had to make it screen accurate, but the, the screen original was so incredibly complicated and involved sewing leather. It involved really, really complicated foam work, way more foam work than I think 
people maybe would have first realized when um, the suit was first debuted. There's a lot more armor on it than, than at a glance. Like, at a glance, it just looks like, oh, it's a superhero suit, but mm. there's a lot of foam armor on that thing. Um, so that that's the thing that was the hardest project I've ever done. Before that, I'm thinking it's funny because I think most of them are going to end up being Marvel <laughs> in nature, unintentionally. Uh, Loki, Lady Loki, I created, um, that's one of my favorites. And I think that that was the most challenging because of the horns. I had never done anything of that scale and they were huge. And I had to kind of counterbalance them so that they would stay on my head and not slip forward. I hand carved both of those horns. And so I had to make sure that they were perfectly, you know, like mirror images of one another. Um, It was a lot of foam work and leather work. And overlapping leather work. <laughs> balancing, probably, too, with it sitting on your head, right? But it was rewarding, probably. Yeah, absolutely. It's not heavy. I, my, people ask if, my, if it hurts my neck. It really, truly doesn't. It's just um, I, I have to turn my head slowly. So because my neck is moving uh, in a different manner than what it's used to, it can kind of lock up if I don't purposefully make sure to keep moving my head around. Well, let's. Um, um, that, it's not too bad. Yeah, no, let's stop right there because I'm looking right at that issue from the summer of 2017 of Cosplay Culture, and there you are oh, on the yeah. cover, <laughs> and I'm sure you have yeah. a copy of it. I do, I do. That that is one of the just the biggest joys. I'm so honored that I was chosen for that. I had um, been approached to contribute a tutorial on how I did my Lady Loki bracers which was amazing in and of itself. I was so thrilled for that opportunity to get to write up a tutorial and hopefully help inspire others that they too can go forth and make really cool stuff like that. I had no idea that I was even being considered to be on the cover. So um, when the editor asked, you know, hey, do you have any more pictures? And, you know, like asking permission, they sent me a release form, and I was thinking this is just a standard release form. Like, okay, yeah, you have permission to, you know, the photographer and I give you permission to print wherever in the magazine, in interior or cover or whatever. So it was a special um, edition. It was a special Marvel edition, and the I was one of two different covers, and the other cover was Mr. Stanley himself. And so, yeah, it's kind of amazing that I got to, in a small way, kind of share a cover with Stan. Like, I don't really know what more you could want in life, really. <laughs> That's completely awesome, and if you didn't, I was going to say it, because, yes, you're taking up the bulk of the cover, and Stanley is in the corner on this collectible cover, one of two, and, yes, the other one on the inside front page has the Stanley with the Spider-Man over his shoulder, but you're also side-by-side side on the table of contents with with Stanley right next to each other. You've got a full figure shot of yourself and Stan when he was in, I guess, in the, well, in the 1970s, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so surreal to me. It's so it's so amazing. So I, you know, if someone had told me when I first started this that I would be having the opportunity to attend conventions as a guest and not just as an attendee. Like, I never thought I'd find myself on the other side of this world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so every, I, I know this sounds sappy, but I genuinely mean it. Every single time I get to be a guest at a convention, and have that interaction with people and, um, you know, get to share how they too can make really cool stuff or talk about all of these characters that we 
we love and have so much meaning for all of us. Like it's, it's so surreal. Every single time I get to do it, I just feel like I'm doing this thing that like I never in a million years thought I'd get to do. So every opportunity I'm like super, super, super blessed by having it and just grateful for it. I'm grateful for all of it. And now if you can too, mention which types or which places, which cons do you frequent and have been to? I've been to a lot of cons, big and small, and they're all amazing and they're all different. Um, I you mentioned Terrificon earlier. I I've loved attending Terrificon. I'm actually based out of um, Central Pennsylvania, so I, while I will do conventions in Pennsylvania, I I travel all up and down the, the Northeast Coast, and I've traveled even to Alabama. I was at a I was at a convention in Huntsville for a library convention, which was really cool. So it was like the site of NASA. I got to be surrounded by literal rocket scientists at the at the convention. It was really neat. Um, it was a blast, right? Uh, yeah, it was. It was totally a blast. Come on, uh, I had to. Boo, Eddie, boo. <laughs> no, um, I will. I will be attending Cecil Con. That's my next con that I'll be at. But I've been to so many different cons. Um, as not a guest, I, I usually attend Awesome Con and Baltimore Comic Con as just kind of my, like, for fun conventions, because those are the cons I can go and rifle through all those boxes of comics and buy all of the art, and I do mean that quite literally, like, I'll come home with just piles and piles of art from Artist Alley. <laughs> wow, so we've got storage for costumes, and we've got needing big spaces and rooms I mean, for I art. My, my, I have no more wall space, you guys. It's terrible. It's really bad. <laughs> and I was just with movie posters and frames waiting to get hung up, and I'm running. I've, I'm out of basement space. i got to go into the garage. Yeah, and then just recently, this, this past year... Um, in 2018, I, I had the honor of um, being a guest at the at Keystone Comic Con, which is the first uh, inaugural year there. Um, and that's a read pop show. So they do, you know, New York Comic Con and a whole bunch of other shows. Um, and that was cool because I was a judge for the championships of cosplay. And that was an amazing experience. I got to see just the most incredible costumes. And it was, it was an honor to, to get to judge those. Um, and see all that craftsmanship up close and personal. They all did an amazing job. It was a hard. It was hard to judge that, but I, I loved doing it. Well, I know that you are crazy busy with what I've seen, Facebook or otherwise, and you're usually good with the text messaging. But when there was a gap of time, I said something's going on, and then I see <laughs> this post of uh, you called it. Is it Marvel becoming or becoming Marvel? I'm getting it confused. Uh, this it's new Marvel thing, becoming. Marvel becoming. Yep. Okay, and it's you and uh, two others. You want to touch on that a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, it was a super, super secret project, and I got to do it with PewDiePie Senpai and with Pitchfork Cosplay, uh, Jasmine and Lauren, respectively. We did not know each other before we started this project, so it was really cool to not only get to work with these two amazing, talented ladies, but, like, actually forge a friendship and relationship with them through this project. Um, this is absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done. And I think the girls would attest that they, I'm pretty sure I can speak on their behalf that they would agree. Um, and we come from different backgrounds. So uh, Jasmine, she, she, uh, is a, she does sewing, but more with like spandex, more with stretch fabrics, and hasn't really done things with sewing leather but she is a foam smith like me. So she's really comfortable doing foam armor. She's amazing. She's like a foam goddess. You should totally check out her Wonder Woman. It's 
ridiculously amazing. I'm obsessed with it. Um, and then Lauren, she does come from a background of doing screen accurate builds. She did a, me- a Nebula, which is just incredible. Um, and she she comes more from a background though of sewing, so really intricate sewing and layering and like detail and embellishment work, and has not done foam. So it was challenging. We not only had a time crunch, but all of us. Um, you want to talk about like how Marvel characters have flaws? Well, all of us, we each went into this project kind of having a flaw, if you will, of having an element to the project that we had to do but did not know how to do it or have the experience in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm, no. No. No pressure. No pressure. Um, it was. It was amazing and it was a bit of a whirlwind i will say that uh, my house kind of looks like a tornado (laughs) has gone through it and i'm still reorganizing my studio um but just such a joy to study the uh original like images of the original suit um and create my own patterns so one of the challenges i have to overcome is i am a plus size girl and uh, Brie Larson is is not <laughs> shock. I know, right? She's she's still just like a little bit differently from me. So it was really challenging to take this suit and make sure that I can create it as accurately as possible, but for it to fit me properly and in a flattering manner. You know, I of course had to adjust the ratio of the lines and the proportions, but still make sure that they were all the same. So if a line of stitching or a particular pattern piece hit her in her leg somewhere, I needed to make sure it did that on mine as well. But it, of course, the dimensions would be different. So I will tell you straight up, that was challenging. That was really hard. I'm really proud of what I've created. And it was just really cool to like become become Captain Marvel for the day. It's, my, it's now definitely one of my favorite and most cherished cosplays i've ever created and one i'm sure that we'll see at a near in the future con yes yes i have to uh figure that out i have to figure out um when i'm allowed to start making public appearances with it but you i can promise you you will absolutely be seeing me um at conventions so if there are any convention organizers listening shameless plug that's exactly (laughs) right If anyone would like to see that suit, um, yeah, let let me know. (laughs) What do you figure on coming up for the rest of this year as far as either future projects you want to work on or that you're hoping to attend? I am still, um, I'm still booking through 2019. I, I actually, this year, I'd love to travel more. So like I had mentioned, I, I definitely do a lot of conventions in, um, the Northeast coast. So DC, Maryland, Delaware, New York, Pennsylvania, that kind of just general area. I would love to travel further south. I would love to travel to the Midwest. I'd love to get to a convention on the West Coast. So I think this might be a year where I hopefully, knock on wood, get opportunities to see other conventions and see other members of the community. So, um, you know, I love the Northeast Coast line of cosplayers but it would be really cool to get to see the craftsmanship and just heart of cosplayers from other parts of the country so that's kind of like 
a goal of mine. But as far as build, uh, hmm, let me think. Well, I spill my secrets of ones that I would like to tackle. <laughs> I would love to create a She-Ra at some point, an original design She-Ra. Hmm. Um, yes, most definitely. And I have uh, some plans for another Poison Ivy cosplay that will also be an original design. I've done, I've done Poison Ivy, but this is one that I think would be very, very, very intricate and you, complex in its design. That's a character that I've seen multiple ways, but you know who it is. And that's that's oh, good. Absolutely. Uh, you know, whether it's yeah. a different vine pattern growing or some, in some cases it's not green, it's an autumn ivy. I've seen at least one of those. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's a fun one. Just from a, like, from an art standpoint, there's so many different directions um, I can go with that. I want to do more with armor and props for sure, and maybe get into more sculpting and prosthetics. So I don't know what that looks like yet. But looks like but you're not slowing down anytime soon, and that's good. No, no, definitely not. You know, and I've had friends ask me, you know, hey, do you, you know, when do you, like, plan to stop cosplaying? And I just laugh because I say I'm legitimately never planning to stop um, ever uh, with a cosplay. That ding was on my end. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, I see myself cosplaying forever. You know, I have plans to do like McGonagall and all kinds of all kinds of characters as I age. And what's cool about cosplay is I could do those characters now. Like I could be in my seventies and do a character who's, you know, nineteen. And it's that's the amazing thing about cosplay. You are literally never too old or too young to cosplay. That's what I see, too, now in some Facebook posts and some sites that say over 30 or over 40 or over 50 cosplay. And it's not just mm-hmm. for folks that are in their early 20s, kids and so on. No. No. And actually, what's funny is I would say that a, a lot, maybe perhaps most, most of the cosplayers who I you know, have become really dear friends with or admire or, uh, like, admire in terms of their their work and their craftsmanship. Like, there's so many of us who are 30, in our 30s, in our 40s, in our 50s. It just, you really, truly are never too old to, to make art or to just celebrate these characters that we love. So I think it's really cool to see it becoming more understood and accepted. I think it's becoming more mainstream, in, and there's good and bad with that in terms of anytime anything blows up and becomes more mainstream, you know, um, people are people, right? There are good people and there are not so great people. So you just want to make sure that you don't allow toxicity or negativity to creep in and, and steal people's joy in our community that really should be kept to be this really safe, positive space. But I love, I love how accessible it is now. I love that people can dive right into it and, and not be afraid to cosplay at any age, at any point. Which doesn't mean, though, if, we, if anybody sees Sharon Rose in the Loki cosplay, that she's going to whoop your butt. I mean, you He's might want to be like, day. A, like 17% afraid. <laughs> 17%? It sounds like 12% of a moment, like Pepper said to Iron Tony Stark. <laughs> So I not, get a bad rap. My brother, Thor, he just, you know, tells everybody to not trust me. It's just totally <laughs> not there. <laughs> so now on the topic of characters like Loki, well, today they just released 32. Oh, this is where I was going. Yeah. 32 posters of characters who have both been the victim of the snap. And we, we got to go over these. Like, there are some I'm that... I'm having a mo- 
Well, one of the mm. characters actually was trending on Twitter today. One of the rare times a fictional character trended on Twitter. You know, aside from a Walking Dead death, this is really big. And let's let's go through the list right now. Well, you go ahead because I'm I'm not dialing up on the phone. But it, are they all oh, in black and white. Uh, I um images. Gonna, we'll, you'll you'll hear you'll hear Eddie. But I, I can't see. <laughs> well, if I'm, I'm going to name them. Oh, there we them. go. That's okay. Why. Some of them are, and some of them are just. But they're but they're dark background. Yeah. So on. Yeah. Well, what ended up happening was they ended up releasing both colored ones where they're the characters that survived and black and white ones where uh, they did not. Now we know. Now let's go first off with the ones that did in fact survive. First off, we go with Tony Stark, Tony Stank, Iron Man. You have Chris Evans, which mm-hmm. also you go with Steve Rogers and Captain America. You have mm-hmm. Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. You have the Son of Odin. Thor, let's see. My phone is messing up now. Anyway, you have you have our boy, Bruce Banner, aka Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk. You have Hawkeye, Clint Barton. You have Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. You have Scott Lang, Ant Man, Nebula. You have Okoye, War Machine, Pepper Potts, which. I'm shocked she survived, but... Eh. <laughs> Stop! This is Women in Comics Month. Would you please cut her a break? You have one of the ones that I was shocked survived, Valkyrie, but in these, we also see someone did not get mentioned on either side. My boy, Korg, we don't know if he survived. Korg. Heyman, Heyman. Yes, okay, Ragnarok, good supporting character. You have Rocket Raccoon. You have the man who is responsible for completely protecting the Sanctum, Wong. You have, and this was the one I openly admit, I was like, hell yeah, he survived. You got Happy Hogan. There you go. And now we're on to the ones that, well, did not survive. You have Black Panther. You have my guy, Star Prince, Star-Lord. You have... Mike Jones. Anyway, you have Gamora. You have Doctor Strange. Peter Parker. Scarlet Witch. The Vision. Nick Fury. Loki. And the one that got trending on social media, Shuri. A lot of people were shocked she did not survive. Because I remember hearing somewhere she did survive. Wait, did you miss Maria Hill? We're still going. Okay. (laughs) You said, and the one, you know, it made well, me the, think the it's the a big, lesson. Well, I'm going in okay. order and also just mentioning how important that is. Sharon, this is what I have to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will just really quick interject, super quick. I saw a story and I, I audibly gasped. I was just like, what? No. Because I felt like that one was so much of a question mark, right? Yeah. And I remember hearing somewhere she did survive. One of the directors, I believe, had said she survives. I have a lot of feelings, you guys. They're not all good. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but continue. Mm-hmm. But continue. Yep. <laughs> a, a good feeling about it, though, is the fact that she trended, and it shows how important these characters are to people. I love oh, knowing yeah. that she trended. That was cool. Then you have Groot. You have uh, the Wasp, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Mantis, and oh, it's a blank. Oh no. Oh, oh wait, it's Drax. I thought it was a blank picture for a second. But uh, that's the and, joke you see. You, is that the end? Because I thought yes. Hank Pym was there also, and they didn't make a Hank Pym poster. Okay, but out of the thirty-two posters, that is all thirty-two. Whew. 
it's a 32 pickup. I mean, mostly, you know, with uh, Hoover with the dust, but mm. <laughs> too soon, Ami? I think so. But you got a lot going there. And and on all cases, I think it said "Avenge the Fallen." Correct. Each po- each individual, and the one that really I think tugged at your heartstrings, Stan. Well, that was a fan made one. I saw that one too, so I thought that had to come in there. Personally, I didn't. I did not care for that. I thought that was done in poor taste. Like there was one version where it was like trying to be a joke, and then there was one where it's like genuine. It says "Thank you, Stan." I'm like. That I understand. Uh, I, I only saw the one image just of his full face and in black and white, and I just thought it was an homage. It was a, it was a nod. And it's incredible to see how fast these things become memes. Within minutes, we yeah. ended up seeing one where it's, oh, what's his name? The original War Machine, and it says, with him in black and white, avenge the fallen, because, well, his contract snapped in 2008, so <laughs> that did not happen. Contract snapped. Poor Terrence Howard. And you know where the Ed Norton poster is, by the way? It's in the trash. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, we have our biases over here, and we're proud Ruffalo fanboys. <laughs> well, if we're heading I, in this... I, yeah, go ahead, Sharon. I was just going to say, I feel like that's, that's part of the thing, right? I mean, if you, if you are a comic fan in any capacity, you have some strong opinions about some things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. That's why we have these outlets. Bit. Yes, exactly. I, but, would, I would not want to have had the responsibility of having the, like, oh, the weight of saying in the writer's room who, (laughs) who makes it and who doesn't make it after the snap, because like you said, people love these characters. These characters have such a huge impact on people's lives. So, oh man, knowing, like, knowing that if you made that decision that we're going to decide if this character doesn't make it. Like, ooh, well, I would not want that responsibility. <laughs> you just you just jarred my memory, Sharon. And just as the, as we like to say, the date of this recording, which happens to be March 26th, is the one-month mark away from Avengers Endgame. And I tell you here and now, if I do not, at the very least, get choked up in the throat and just <gasps> gasp for whatever's going to be with this, I would not be, you know, who I am and, and maybe shed some uh, mistiness out of my eyeballs. A misty night. It's but- going to be so emotional how, because I'm trying to think how many years from the first, what, has it been like 10 years? Yep, 11 this year. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, so quite literally, we have watched all of these characters grow to this point for over a decade. I mean, that's no joke. That's really, that's no joke. My go-to for this is our audio engineer, John. He's younger than us. He's 20 years old. And he told me, he goes, the Marvel movies have been a part of my childhood. Mm. I was 20 when those movies came out. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that made me feel ancient at that moment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but well, you and me both hearing it out loud. <laughs> yep. Oh, great! I'm, yeah. I'm I'm more than that of a parent to both of you. What the heck? But the other thing, the other thing that I find very interesting about this is, yeah, you know, where you are when these moments happen in the movies. And by the way, real quick, quick aside, Avengers Endgame tickets are apparently going on sale April second, and they're going to start with early showings as early as six because this movie is going to be three hours long. A three-hour film, but again, so here for. I'm a hundred percent okay with three hours. I don't know why people are, are freaking out about that. 
I'm like, I'm the generation who sat through Lord of the Rings. I'm fine. I will have my snuggie. <laughs> I will have popcorn. I will have my soda. I will have tissues. I'll be fine. <laughs> I, I was laughing when I heard people wanted intermissions. I'm like, no, stop this. <laughs> exactly. And These young whippersnappers, they don't know how good they've got it. <laughs> I mean, we had to sit for a long time to see Kate Winslet just be on a, a door in the water. and <laughs> That's right. That's right. My Once, butt fell asleep at the theater. These people just need to get over it and get ready for that three-hour movie. <laughs> exactly. And plus, we, we have AMC theaters by us, so we have the recliners. And even, oh, you know... that's so nice. Exactly. <laughs> and I just find the whole situation funny. And also, you know, going over back to characters and who, you know, the reactions of, oh, these characters, who do we figure out who is going to be snapped? Well, mm-hmm. I'll go right back to the moment for me in the theater, dressed in my Star-Lord costume... And all of a sudden, and I'm sorry, I have to ask you, by the way, is, do you believe hashtag Star-Lord did something either wrong or not wrong? Ooh. And just a little aside, I have a Star-Lord tattoo. So, I, answer carefully. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I, I will say this, I will say this. I personally think when Doctor Strange said, there's only one, there's only one path, right, that we see, I think that what he saw required everything that we saw happen. Exactly. Happen. Like I, I agree. Yeah. I think, including, including him having to go in the snap. Does that make sense? Like, I, I truly yeah, think that, that, that he, he meant what he said. Because I've seen some theories where people are like, Oh, he just said that, but like, really, there was no nothing that he saw that would have like. He only ever saw like them never winning, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I get really angry. I'm like, no, he was telling the truth. I really think, I think he saw a way out. And, and a quick reminder, and that way out required what happened to have to happen. Yep. And a quick reminder once again, they didn't listen to Star Lord's plan when they were in the collector's building. And they mm-hmm. went the wrong direction when he said go the one way. They went the other. So clearly, it's either Gamora or Drax's fault. So <laughs> that's who I blame. <laughs> and that's why every time I see I, a Gamora action figure, I drop it on the ground and go, "I'm sorry, little one." Oh no, my heart. <laughs> oh, oh, the horror. <laughs> You're terrible. Oh, oh the dented God. action oh, figure no. packages. <laughs> yeah, he, oh, he's he's the, he's that guy. Mm-hmm. I sure am. And also, I just I think the whole thing is funny. Of they didn't realize how big of a character Black Panther would be. Boy, oh boy! I bet they're kicking themselves over the reaction to that character and the fact that they had to snap him. And oh crap! We could have done you know this amazing arc with him in the movie. People would have been going mm-hmm. just to see him, and now they're like, "Well, he's dead, so I'm not going to show up for this movie." I love, I, I was so, so sad that he didn't make it because I, I love him as a Black Panther. Like, I could watch four more movies of him as a Black Panther. It's just really good. And I love the costumes in that movie. Don't get me started. Like, literally, God-tier costuming. It's, it's everything that I would ever hope to see in costuming in a movie. So, yeah. I've said I'm it sad. before. You know, the, the costumes were, were going to win. So I, I knew that mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As as well, they should have. They were just, oh, like mind blowing. So yeah. So we touched Which on. I will and, say yeah. as, as an aside, as an aside, it's really hard now to be a cosplayer 
and also be a comic fan because, like, I find myself being constantly distracted by the costumes in every movie that <laughs> I watch. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's funny. I try to pay attention, but I get really sidetracked by things like scenes and textures. And I, I think then it sounds like, Sharon, you have to watch the movie not only a couple of times for the content, mm-hmm. make sure you but you have to watch it probably with the volume off so you can pay attention to what they're wearing. It's true. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Just a hunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your hunch is pretty spot on. Wow. Okay. That's, that's very oh cool. My oh, my goodness. All right. Well, before we forget, we want to know where folks can reach you social media-wise. So let's get that in if we can. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's pretty easy to find me. You can find me. I'm most active on Instagram and then on Facebook. If you just look up Sharon Rose Cosplay, that's my handle for both, and you'll find me really easily there. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm in, admittedly really awful at keeping up with my tweets. <laughs> but if you want to follow me anyway, you can follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Sharon Rose Cos. Peter? Eddie? Okay, now that we know each other... <laughs> <sighs> my my other thing, by the way, just going back over you mentioning with watching the movies and paying attention to the costumes. Have you ever noticed that there's you can't tell sometimes with the lighting, like certain colors of outfits because of what they do? Like I'm a Star yeah. Lord fanboy and the gear shift shirt, the alien text one, it's either in some work or some cosplays gray, baby blue. We don't know. And then we have, you know, the main Star Lord one, his OG Guardians costume. And he's wearing the, you know, like denim blue shirt. Other people have it as gray in certain art. You can't tell. It's mm-hmm. insane. It's And there's there's definitely real reasons for that. So a lot of times what people don't realize is whatever you're seeing on the screen is also, there's usually a filter put over that. So there's usually a warm filter or a cool filter. So the costume, the real costume, if you were holding it in your hands in person, may actually be more vibrant more warm or more cool than like what you're seeing on the big screen. And I definitely, <laughs> definitely struggled with that with uh, the Captain Marvel suit. Oh yeah. Because, oh my goodness. Because even though I had um, images of, of the suit, I had images of the um, suit predominantly worn by Brie. I, I had images of the battle. I had like some images of the pristine suit and of it also in states of the, the damage suit. You know, anytime you watch a movie, you get to see things that are um, in various states of damage. So for any given character in any given movie, there might be five of the same exact suit, right? One that the main character has to wear, one that, you know, stunt doubles have to wear. Is it damaged? Is it pristine? We don't know. So, and those might be different. Like, I know, I know that people would assume that they all are exactly the same, but that's not actually necessarily the case. So, yeah, it's really strange seeing real props and costumes in person versus what they look like when you've watched them in film. And so you're not crazy. So, like, don't let anybody tell you that. No matter how yeah, hard they try. Yeah, Eddie. <laughs> Sharon Rose cosplay since 2012. If you are, would be so kind, and I think you will, keep us posted on where you're going to be appearing, because I will bring this cosplay culture for an autograph. I don't know how well on the laminated cover it'll come out, but... Oh, I absolutely will. I promise. I, Scout's honor. <laughs> I Scout? promise I will let you know. Once I get my uh, schedule more firmed up, I will definitely let you know where I'm going to be at for the year. That would be great. Sharon Rose, thank you again very much for 
spending some time with us on this marvelous March and Women in Comics. We do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys both for having me. If, there's anything, if there's anything else, I'm remembering who'd have thought this podcast would have resulted in Sharon saying her butt fell asleep. Well, speaking of butts, Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect segue for what we're about to talk about. <laughs> yes, it is. Here we go. So, unfortunately, this is not the end, but it also the end. Are you sitting down for this? Okay. So, in the last episode we had mentioned when we were talking with Tina, we briefly mentioned the meme going around, or the dank may mm. of... Thanos and Ant-Man, and... They weren't dancing. Why, why is this a thing, and why is it getting so big, no pun intended, but also, I... I have you, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Are, are you aware of the meme going on currently? Sharon, that oh, was for I, you. I, yes. I'm not. I'm not. Sorry. I was thinking. I was like, oh, it's probably... No, oh, I, so I'm lucky. not actually. Oh, well, that's about to get spoiled. So, uh... <laughs> Among other things for Sir Thanos. Mix-a-Lot, here we go. So apparently there is a belief that one of the 14 million ways involving Thanos' end, <laughs> no pun intended, is involving Ant-Man shrinking down. Oh! Yep. That's a thing now. <laughs> no, Such... wait, I am aware of that. I'm very aware of that. And I've been, we've actually, I've been posting just different variations of that meme on the Marvelists Facebook page. And my favorite one as of late has been uh, Marvel fans. Man, Nick Fury. If it was, it'd be really funny if he lost his eye because of a cat. And spoilers, by the way, if you haven't seen Captain Marvel, people. But it's kind of weeks now. I have, I have to tell you, real, real talk for real. I have receipts. <laughs> I have receipts from a Texas. I I had that theory like before the movie came out. I was like, I really hope that that's how it happens, and then it's. And then, and then I won't spoiler, but let's just say I wasn't necessarily wrong in my hunt. Some, and I almost squealed in the theater. <laughs> some people were upset by that, by the way. That twist, they're like, oh, that's so stupid. It's, it's not. It, no, why it's, wonderful. Go- it's wonderful. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's so great because of the aspect of this. And I've explained it to people, and I've actually turned people's opinion about it in the sense it's this. Nick Fury is this absolute badass. Just super cool. You know, he's, he's, mm-hmm. he's a bad mother. Mamma Jamma. No, you guys are supposed to say shut your mouth. Come shut on. your mouth. He's Shaft, Talking anyway. Shaft. But um, anyway, like I was saying. Yes, yes. But he, but his weak spot is cats, apparently. Especially, you know, he, he just gets all mushy, cuddly, and with, uh, oh, you know. And he lost his way, his eye in the most weenie boy way possible. And it's so great. He, and He covers it. It's just a scratch. Yeah. And not just that, but. So, did your eye really burn because of this? I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> I love, I love the simplicity of that line. And it. For the whole world, Nick Fury is known as this badass, but he's like, but I secretly lost my eye because of a freaking flirking. <laughs> lost my good eye. Yeah, that's what he said. But, you know, in, in Captain Marvel, when he first got that scratch, when he, uh, I guess that car accident, if that was it, and he got the, the, the stereo strip above that eye, I said, on his eyebrow, I said, oh, no, here we go. This is how it starts. And then, you know. And, and going back over with all of this, there are fans going on with the joke theory of how Thanos could be defeated. And some of us are worried, well, if they did the Nick Fury thing, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I have a feeling that they probably won't go that direction, but you I never would have, know. Well, I mean, you got to maintain that PG-13 rating somehow. And That's right. <laughs> but the thing about that that's really funny is this has actually been going on as a theory for months and months now to the point where there's video footage 
of Paul Rudd getting asked this during the press tour for Ant-Man and the Wasp. And yes, he's been asked about it. He said asks. uh, But he's, he was interacting with us and, you know, choked it up and everything, you know, played it up. Now this past weekend, Paul Rudd did his very first comic book convention, C2E2 over in Chicago, Illinois. And I could only imagine how many times he was asked the question involving Thanos and poor Ant-Man. Four words. Quantum realm this, Thanos. <laughs> okay, I had to count how many oh, words no. that was. That was four. <laughs> oh, no. And a big, oh, my. What really happened. My, my theory is somehow, I mean, and, you know, we've seen some trailers and stuff, which is certainly adding fuel to it. I, I feel like the quantum realm has to come into play. But, like, who knows? Well, according to rumor and innuendo, rumor and innuendo will have you believe that apparently the trailers are only footage from the first 15 minutes of the movie. That's why we haven't seen other things. Mm -hmm. Oh, very interesting. Hmm. A lot of toys are currently getting leaked out as well. You're seeing costumes. And one thing I want to ask you is with the character of Ronan and, you know, the Hawkeye character in the Mm -hmm. film. Do you think it's going to confuse people with Ronan from the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain Marvel? And then you have Ronin. Because I actually had a conversation with with my mom about it. And she's like, oh, you mean the blue guy? No, 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 not him. Mm -hmm. Do you both think this is going to happen? I can see how that could be confusing. But I mean, you know, we've we've got two Marvels out there in the world. (laughs) That's true. And we're doing okay with keeping them straight. So I think we'll be okay. (laughs) One you just have a sign that says, I'm the blueberry, and the other one says, I'm not the blueberry. <laughs> the, <laughs> be fine. the blue the blueberryless one with a bow and yes. arrow. And yes, knives exactly. for now. Exactly. Wow. Little like name tags. And they'll be fine. <laughs> so now I think that about wraps up today's episode. But once again, if you want to listen to the whole beginning part of how to find us on social media. Well, Buttercup, go on. Back to the beginning. Exactly. Can you rewind a podcast? Yeah, you can. Not the same as a videotape or a cassette. We can Maxine Nightingale this and go right back where we started from. But uh, it's just a click. They don't have to put the like pencil and the eraser, you know, of the tape, but they don't have to like re rewind anything. (laughs) Wow. I knew exactly what you were talking about. That made me feel super nostalgic. (laughs) I totally dated myself there, but it's, it's. like half half the kids who are gonna watch who are gonna listen to this are gonna go, what on earth is Sarah and Rose talking about? <laughs> but yeah, those are not the people we want to associate with. We <laughs> want to... <laughs> Come on, we're going for that fifteen thousand like. Let's go. Well, yeah, but <laughs> check it oh, off. My goodness. So thank you guys. <laughs> thank you for the marvelists. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Sharon Rose. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior. It's Obsessed with Marvel with our guest, Sharon Rose. Thanks, Sharon, for hanging on for this. Oh, absolutely. I hope we get one of these right. Well, (laughs) we'll give it a shot. From 2,500 Questions, this book was out in 2010. And this is question number 815. And it says, which of the following foes of Thor became a continuing team? Okay. Carmilla and the Enchantress. Mr. Hyde and the Cobra. Loki and the Absorbing Man. Or Surtur, spelled S-U-R-T-U-R, and Ymir, spelled Y-M-I-R. Again, 
which of the following foes of Thor became a continuing team? Carnilla and the Enchantress, Mr. Hyde and the Cobra, Loki and the Absorbing Man, or Surtur and Ymir? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it was Loki and Absorbing Man. I don't remember them you know, teaming like up. so obvious, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I don't know that Mr. Hyde and the Cobra were together. Was the, um... He was like an, a boxer or something. This is like in the ether. It's like I'm trying to remember these characters. Which one are you saying? The Absorbing Man was a boxer, and then Loki did something to him. I don't remember. I don't know that he was ever on the team then, though. I want to say it's not that. I want to say it's not that. Okay, so we agree. I think that it's probably not Loki and the Absorbing Man together. Uh, again, yeah. I, I don't think Mr. Hyde and the Cobra together were a team. I'm going to go with whatever Sharon suggests. Oh, oh, so we're down to two possible guesses. Carnilla and the Enchantress or Surtur and Ymir? Oh, no. Did they open for Bell and Sebastian? Mm, Bell and James. My joke fell really flat. I Yeah, we're just going to keep mine, on going. Mine fell further than Gwen Stacy down a mine shaft. Stop it! <laughs> Gwen out of this. <laughs> Um, to tsunami. The original Carter and yeah, maybe. You're thinking Carnilla. You're thinking Carnilla and the Enchantress together. Carnilla and the Enchantress, yeah. All what right. did I say? Did I say well, Carnilla? I went straight to like. All right, I think <laughs> so we'll I let our guest. We'll let. We're gonna go with your guest and see what happens. I I am kind of leaning towards Surtur and Ymir. I'm not sure why, but um, just just Eddie sense. I don't know. Uh, but let's try. And that was selection A. So let's try that. Get it back up there and. No, the answer is actually B, Mr. Hyde and the Cobra. So we we're totally off I the wall. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, you knew it. You knew it. He's checking I'll through his my nerd card at the end, you guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> just don't get a stamp for it this time. That's all. So here we go. Now let's go to number two, and that's going to be question number... My nerd card has been in a binder for a while, so believe me, I completely understand. <laughs> it's, it's next to my four Charizards. I have a revoked Avengers card that's just sitting in a page of an album. All right, 326... And it reads, on which planet was Robert Grayson, alias Marvel Boy, raised by his father? Hmm. Earth, Mars, Uranus, <laughs> or Venus? How is Thanos? <sighs> on which planet was Robert Grayson, alias Marvel Boy, raised by his father? Earth, Mars, Uranus, Venus. Change it up there. I'm not sure. This is from the Grant Morrison run from Marvel Knights, and I just got that for the first time recently, and I haven't cracked it open. Mm. So I'm, I'm really helpful right now. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> he was a part of the Kree Scroll War, or Kree stuff, I think, because it was also on Comixology as the Kree Sale. Okay. So I don't know if that helps. It, it might, because they weren't. he wasn't on Earth, so eliminate that. So take out Earth? Okay. No, not literally. Okay. No, no. <laughs> there goes the volume again. Sorry about that. Okay, we took out half the Earth already, but okay, Earth is out. So Mars, Uranus, okay. or Venus? I'm. I think I'm between Mars and Venus myself. But me too. I'm. I'm between Mars and Venus as well. Okay. No, Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. There's a book by that, by the way. <laughs> I kid you not. I have it. I'm between oh. the Moon and New York City, personally. Oh, you and Chris. <laughs> you and you and yeah, yeah, Christopher Cross. Mm -hmm. And Arthur. Arthur, mm -hmm. best that you can God, do. God, what a great I, I movie! Don't know. I feel like Mars 
would make sense, but maybe it's Venus because I think Venus. To be honest, all right, we're headed for Venus. Here we go. Oh no, <laughs> D. No, the answer is Uranus. <laughs> really? Who would have thought? Have Perfectly balanced. <laughs> Perfectly balanced. <laughs> can't make this up, Sharon. I'm so sorry to put you through this. No, that's okay. I love it. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know what the folks at home and folks at your home are saying about this. But anyway. All right. One final question so we can be 0 for 3. Okay, Columbo. Oh, 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 oh. This could, this could work, especially with you, I think. Uh, question number 1,385. In which series did Deadpool first appear? New Mutants, baby. Number 98. Just the series. We don't need an issue number. I'm going to give the number, Eddie. The Deadpool miniseries. Nope. The New Mutants. Yes. X-Force. Nope, nope, nope. Or Cable. Oh, no. That's just a terrible idea. Sharon. And why are you putting me on the spot with Deadpool? Okay, say this again. You heard the overwhelming answer by Peter. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. I was like, well, did she miss that? Did we, did we, did we lose the connection here? All right. I'm skipping ahead. New Mutants B. Thank Goodness, we got one. And boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Close the book for now. That's it. Wow. Hi, this is Jennifer Martin from Clearwater, Florida at Jenny Gymnasium on Instagram. And you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. Hey again, it's Eddie Wilson making another cosplay connection on this marvelous march featuring women in comics. In this particular case, it's a cosplay reconnection. When this feature started, meaning cosplay connection, the first person to do this has now returned. Want to welcome direct from the Sunshine State of Florida, Jennifer Martin. Hey, Jen, welcome back. Hey, Eddie. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm back with a different last name. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was not going there per se, but we uh, have had quite a few things happen, meaning yourself in particular, since the last time we yeah. spoke. So formerly from Boston, Massachusetts, now in the state again of Florida, resident there, wife, mother. Going back, we first met, I think you were doing some covering of a con. I believe it was a super mega fest in Framingham, yeah. Massachusetts. But you also did some cosplaying yourself so if we can kind of start at the beginning so when i first started cosplaying i was probably 16 mm -hmm. uh but around that time it was more i didn't attend any cons or anything like that i just i really enjoyed dressing up and that kind of thing and i don't even think i knew the term cosplay at that point yeah so i've definitely evolved since then and my first cosplay i want to say was well, I guess they would have been Disney characters. I always wanted to be a princess. <laughs> so that's sort of where I started. And my first real cosplay cosplay was Silk Spectre from Watchmen. Yes, and that one I remember seeing you in. Yes, and when you saw me, I believe that was probably the second run, because I'm, I'm not as creative as some of the other ones, believe it or not. <laughs> It's different, but people come to it for different reasons and different levels. In fact, I remember, mm -hmm. like I said, meeting you in that character, and I was the yellow and blue version costume store-bought of Wolverine. So we have a picture together somewhere. Yes, and I would love to dig that up, actually. Yeah, I'll have to find that. Agreed. But I remember another one that you did. I think you were the Jonah Hex female character. 
I was, and actually that was one of my more favorite ones, only because I loved Megan Fox and just her as an actress and being very vocal as, you know, women are powerful kind of vibe that she gives off. And so I wasn't even honestly a very big fan of the movie itself, but her character just kind of spoke to me a little bit and I kind of like her as a person too. So I guess that kind of all rolled into it. (laughs) Was that the case with deciding to be Silk Spectre also or? No, Silk Spectre was more or less because I like the way the costume fit, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. That's what we want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the way it fit, actually. I felt felt very feminine, very sexy without being too much for me. Yeah, so. you saw it, you liked it, you said, I can rock this. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I look good. <laughs> there you go. They're so, always... which, is, which isn't often, so I felt good about it. <laughs> well, I think there needs to be, no matter who it is, female, male, some level of confidence and security. I know there's an escape when you do this because you're taking on another persona in some degree that you feel like, you know, I can do this, I can go out there, and it won't be a bad thing. Absolutely. It's almost like putting on sort of like a mask of of some sort and and being someone else for the day, some different character and and escaping your own sort of world. Uh, At least that's how it was for me. It was kind of cool to have People say, hey, Lila from Jonah Hex, can I get a picture? Or, hey, Silk Spectre. And it's kind of like you get to be this outgoing person that maybe you're not in every day. Right. People wouldn't so, recognize you otherwise, and maybe that's what you prefer. Right. So now you're sort of a cosplay celeb, so to speak. That's exactly right. <laughs> now, in your more cosplay heyday in popularity, how often, if you recall, going to shows, cons, and where were they? So I attempted to go every couple months. Let's see, there was Boston Comic Con was my first. I got to don an exhibitor pass, which a couple of my cosplaying buddies were surprised at my first con. I got to be an exhibitor. (laughs) Go me. Yeah. And so that was really cool because then you sort of get to not go backstage, so to speak, but get to really like vibe with the other celebrities and the higher up, I guess I want to say cosplayers because they've got their own sort of celebrity themselves, sort of, especially the ones who are really popularly known for how well they can transform themselves. And so I got to make a lot of connections there. Did one in New York, New York Comic Con, one of the bigger ones that I've got to experience. Megafest in Framingham. I've attended the Tampa Bay Comic Con. I haven't really been a part of it or an exhibitor, but I I did my Jonah Hex costume, Lila. So (laughs) hoping, and it's funny though, because you do see other cosplayers that recognize you from the other cons because you're wearing the same outfit and they're like, oh my God, I remember you. And you you know, you get pictures at each one. And so you make a lot of cool connections. Yeah, there is a cool factor associated with that. And like you said, being able to hang out with the other cosplay people and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a lot of fun. I love it. So is that nowadays down in Florida? Mm -hmm. Is Tampa about the area where you're close to? Yes, Tampa would be it for me because it's about maybe 25, 35 minute drive. That's good. Just depends on how fast you drive. (laughs) And nowadays, but your time is another story because things have changed. Uh, But you're also, I remember, were big into uh, working out and I think competing. Yep. When I was growing up, I was very heavy, very bullied, actually. And I'm not sure if that plays into, you know, our whole theme of women and things like that. 
I feel like I overcompensated and I had an eating disorder and through the healing process and learning working out and becoming more healthy and food wise and stuff like that, I, I started to get into competing, which gave me the confidence I feel like to cosplay. And so I started to feel like I maybe looked more like these characters because of course all these comic characters, they've got abs and they've got arms and all these great qualities. And so I, I competed and I got on stage a couple times and... Now, after having Mackenzie, I find myself sort of struggling on the road to maybe competing in the future. And it'll be a little bit, though. It's been only 15 months since I had her. I'm down 52 pounds out of the 75 that I gained. And so it's been sort of a, a road of self-healing and recovery and getting comfortable in my new mom bod. <laughs> I think you did a good job because you're on Facebook on a regular basis. And yeah. that whole progression, not only of relocating yourself down south, but meeting your husband and the baby on the way, everything like that. And you were posting constantly. So I think that was very good Probably not only for yourself, but for others who might be in similar situations of that stage of their lives. So, you know, I think that was good all around from what I could see on a Facebook level. Yeah, and I try to post a lot of content that's real and authentic and not filtered and not special angles or whatever. You know, I <laughs> kind of try to be authentic and enable other women to post you, post what you look like, like be proud of what you've got you're healthy and, 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 you know, you've got a baby and all those things, it's a, it's a wonderful thing and you should be proud of what you've accomplished with your body. I mean, it's pretty amazing. And just like others that do something similar, even from a weight perspective, not involving a pregnancy, but yeah. just doing a before and after or a, oh, then, yeah. a then and now, a year ago, now here's what I've worked up to and here's what I'm looking to do. So kudos to you and others who do Thank things you. like that. So it's, yeah. it's to be applauded and recognized as we're doing this month. Right. It's a struggle, but I feel like as long as you're using every day to try to be a better version of yourself or even self-love, just look in the mirror and say, I'm a great person. You know, I, I'm going to conquer this day. I think that's super important, that self-talk. Right. So now things for you are mom, number one, and number two, you, you are working, but I think from home now, right? Yes. I'm a legal assistant, but I work mainly from home, but usually in the mornings I meet with my boss and we go over what the day is to bring and I'm very, very lucky to be able to bring my daughter with me. Not a lot of people are able to do that, especially today's day and age when, you know, you need, you need the dual income. And so I do get to spend a lot of time with her as well as work. There's a lot of juggling there, but it's definitely worth it. I'm very, very lucky. And so nowadays you find yourself doing what else? I guess the workout type thing when you can, but any other things? I am actually trying to focus on a new app that my boss and I have sort of come up with. And I don't want to go into too much detail because we don't have all the, the copyrights and everything done, but, or the LL, well, we've got the LSB, but it's sort of along the lines of a uh, dating app. Okay. Basically helping men date better to be able to communicate with women better. <laughs> Give them a woman's perspective kind of thing. That's going to uh, help because, yes, there are, and it's true, all those that have gone on record or otherwise, differences, communication between men and women, it's real. It's tangible. Oh. It's palpable, even if you can't yeah. see it. And, you know, <laughs> reading between the lines is only the beginning. So anything uh -huh. that can help. <laughs> yeah. And so being a mom, working, and then at when she naps, I've created a she shed with a squat rack and everything else. I work out from home, which has been a, a struggle too because it's very easy to put your workouts to the side when it's right in front of you. It's kind of like that I'm going to use my treadmill as a clothes hanger type yeah. of phenomenon. And so between that and the app, 
I am trying to actually, and it might sound silly, get back into shape so that I can feel comfortable to go cosplay again. I want to show my daughter, like, you know, love yourself and dress up and have fun and not have her grow up like I was and sort of be ashamed of your body or, or feel like people are looking at you and try to give her the confidence. And so I guess I'm trying to work on my own first. Yeah, we're not trying to say people are looking at you. Well, wait, that's what you're supposed to have done when you're in a cosplay. No, I get it. I'm just, I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good because I think the plan might be, it sounds like with you, Jen, your daughter gets to be a certain age where she can actually go with you and or your husband, if he likes that or not, and have her in a costume maybe, and you both do that and you make it like a family outing. Exactly. And I'm very looking forward to that day. She's walking now, but she's not so good with following would Mm. be a good description. My husband's first comic uh, convention was actually with me in Tampa two years ago and last so far. And so I know he's looking forward to that as well. I'm not sure if he'll dress up or if he'll get into the whole cosplay, but my daughter and I for sure will. <laughs> he just might have to carry all the accessories that... Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> if he, uh, Nothing else. At uh, minimum, yeah. At minimum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So that's a future... <laughs> yeah, right. A handler, whatever you... <laughs> The last thing I think we want to touch on is a number of years ago, and again, because of this being women in comics, well, you're a woman who was in a comic book. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun because I got to actually stand at the booth where we were selling the comic and asking to sign things was sort of like my own little celebrity type of feeling, you know? Yeah. It was a very cool experience. Not only to have the table that you're representing what you're doing, but to say, hey, I'm in this. Yes, and exactly. Even if it's only two or three pages. But let's tell everybody, it was an independent comic that was at least dated from what I could see, because I have a copy, signed, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> du- duly signed. That was out in yes. the beginning of 2014, Sartana. And from what I look at it as, I equate it with Stephen King, Gunslinger. I think you even said at one point, Spaghetti Western. Yeah. And, yeah, and it was just the beginning part of, I guess, a subsequent issue followed. But this was Correct. the beginning. Yes, and it was very cool for me to be able to say, I'm in a comic. I have my own copy, of course, and I can't say much for part two. I'm actually not even sure. I'm ashamed to say of what's in it, but or if I'm in it. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but as far as part one, I am. <laughs> it's very empowering, I feel like, as a woman to be able to say, well, I was in a comic. It is, absolutely. How many people can say that? Not very. Not a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's a lot more than I had any idea of what goes into the illustration and the writing. And you wouldn't think, oh, a comic book, there's a lot of writing and stuff. Well, a lot goes on. (laughs) A lot more than I knew, of course. Well, let me ask you, too, and I don't know if I asked you this originally in the first time we spoke, but have you been up on, as the movies have come out, specifically in the Marvel Universe? Honestly, no. I've been in the Disney world with my daughter. But okay. <laughs> so I could probably answer a million questions about Moana. <laughs> but I'm a little bit behind on actual movies. In fact, my husband and I have a goal of going to have a movie date to see Captain Marvel. Yeah, so definitely. I'm very excited about that. Definitely well worth doing. Highly recommend it on this end. Oh, really? Awesome. Good to know because I've been getting mixed reviews. You know, maybe I'll cosplay as her next. (laughs) It's possible you keep that open mind, and who knows what's going to happen. Stay (laughs) tuned. That's right. Keep connected on Facebook. If you would like people to uh, keep in contact with you, where can they find you? Sure, absolutely. It's facebook.com backslash Jennifer Chandelmeyer. 
And my Instagram, which is probably more up-to-date and easier to follow, would be at Jenny Gymnasium. And it's more than just the workout stuff that you'll do there. It's other stuff, I think, too, right? Yeah, like, you know, empowering women, motivation, be proud of who you are, be real kind of approach. I'm very pretty raw on there. Mm. So, If people, for you know, whatever reason, can't get Chandelmeyer correct, yep. will you be redirected if we put in Martin? Actually, you can do Zumba with Jen, though. Oh, Zumba with Jen. Okay. <laughs> Zumba with Jen. It's another class that I've not taught in a little bit, but what I did for 10 years. So Okay. You got a full plate. I do. I do. And it's a lot of good things on there. I'm very happy to be able to again reconnect, especially while Mackenzie's having a nap. Same here. I really <laughs> appreciate it. And I love the fact I'm making a reappearance on such an important topic. I really feel like... Go Women's Month. <laughs> we hope to do more of that soon. Jennifer Martin, Jennifer Chandelmeyer, if you prefer. Thank you again for talking to us on The Marvelous and uh, making this reconnected cosplay connection and celebrating women in comics. Thanks again. Thank you so much, Eddie. I really enjoyed it.